Hey guys, I just want to tell you a little bit about our Podcasts app which is now live on the App Store. It's the world's first audio-driven app for experiencing medicine. Every week you can step into the shoes of doctors with an engaging case and quiz. Download now and have a look for yourself. Let's get back to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. Today we've got another amazing guest. I'd like to introduce you all to Dr. Alex Young, who is the CEO and founder of Verti, a mixed reality platform giving users an immersive experience to safely learn and practice stressful and difficult to access situations. It's been used in healthcare, and I'm sure you will all agree it's about time we have someone to come and save the day and allow us to practice these situations in a safe and controlled way. Not only that, he's won multiple awards has a background in trauma and orthopedic surgery and has started and sold his very own business in medical school. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to the show, Dr. Alex. Welcome to the show. Guys, thank you so much for having me and thanks for that amazing introduction. Um, I think just off the bat, congratulations on all the success you guys have been having with this podcast. Um, I think one of my favorite things, uh, whenever I, I speak to other medics, especially in the entrepreneur space, is just um, you know, seeing all the amazing stuff they've done. So I think the consistency that you guys have shown is, is awesome and I'm really looking forward to it. No, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So we know you're the, the high-flying entrepreneur flying between here and America, working in such a cool space in the tech realm. But we want to kind of take it to the very beginning. We want to find out, Alex, as a young, fresh medical student, Kind of briefly tell us about that journey up until present day where you kind of have that light bulb moment of do you know what the world needs verti yeah sure be very happy to say so i think i think first off the bat i'd love to be flying to america at the moment but obviously everyone's grounded <laughs> because of covid so i'm i'm, I'm uh, speaking to you at the moment from bristol in the southwest which is is where i went to med school and um it's a lovely city no, yeah. it's so so good i mean it's just uh, it's super relaxing super chill and it's an amazing sort of tech hub outside of of london um and there's been some great companies yeah. coming out of bristol as, as a region in the uk um but yeah i mean i guess going back so um, I, uh, you know, I think growing up, I, I always wanted to uh, do something that was quite practical that helped people, um, which is what drew me towards a career in medicine. Um, and also, I guess growing up, I, I was and still am a massive geek. So um, I just love video games and love sports. Um, and I'm just kind of obsessed with learning and, and just I'm a, a kind of overall geek in general. So when I went to Bristol Med School, um, I was always, you know, looking at, at other things I could do, having some side hustle. Um, and, and when I was training as a, uh, a doctor down in Bristol, set up a kind of in-person uh, training company uh, with one of my buddies mm -hmm. that basically did a lot of kind of in-person training events for doctors, and nurses, did a couple of kind of pharma conferences and things like that. Um, and without any business knowledge at all, arguably still don't have a great deal of business knowledge, <laughs> but, but certainly at that time I had literally <laughs> negative business knowledge. Um, we, we ended up kind of offloading that business, which was, which was quite nice. Um, and on the back of that, I guess to kind of promote things uh, around some of those in-person events, um, taught myself how to code, um, really so that I could kind of have control over how we were promoting things and we didn't need to outsource anything to kind of web designers. So I sort of taught myself some pretty terrible coding skills um, that helped us promote some of those events on, on websites and created some online components. And then when I qualified from Bristol, 
stuck around the Bristol region uh, to do my kind of foundation training jobs. And um, around that time, I set up another company, uh, which basically did a lot of kind of online preparation around exams for doctors and nurses. Really, I guess at the time, um, didn't have any focus on kind of like leaving medicine, wanted to do trauma and orthopedics. That was my kind of passion. That's what I, I wanted to do on my background in kind of sports um, and being kind of video yeah. game nerd. And, um, and then set up this other company that was a bit like kind of a pass test or on examination, but with a focus on sort of medical mm-hmm. interviews and um, career progression for healthcare professionals. And, and again, sort of built that up myself. I was the only employee uh, in that company for about the first, you know, three or four years. Um, built that to a point where it was utilized by the majority of, of healthcare professionals in the UK and then was also being used in uh, Australia and America for some of their oh, wow. exams and things like that. Oh, wow. um, and so that kind of grew a little bit out of control. And I would sort of, I mean, to give you an idea, that was sort of towards the end of my foundation training, I, I set that up and then going into sort of CP mm. into my sort of ST3 training. Um, so I was sort of doing night shifts, mm. coming back, coding really enjoying learning the business and, and just sort of putting my head in a in a book or watching online videos or speaking to kind of mentors uh, and, and leveling yeah. up my own skills around that. So that got quite big. And then I think for me personally, and, and uh, you know, I'm sure you, you guys will sort of attest to this, when you leave med school and you start mm. as an F1, first day on the wards, it's a completely different experience when you're suddenly responsible for patient care. And you're you're thrust into a hospital which you, you may never have actually uh, yeah. been in for any long period of time, and you're like, my God, I've got a bleep, and yeah. uh, I'm actually <laughs> I actually have to put my skills into action. And and you know, for, yeah. for me, um, I I was always reasonably good, sort of I guess under pressure, you know, wanting to do things like surgery. But mm. um, looking at my some of my colleagues in the workforce as a whole, it was it was amazing how traditional kind of training methods didn't really cater to um, that sort of step up. And, and you know, I'm someone who's kind of grown up with stuff on demand like YouTube and, and Netflix where you can you, you can yeah. access content. Yeah. I, if you could see me, I've got my Fitbit on. Uh, so I'm, I'm obsessed with kind of like collecting data on my own like yeah. sports performance or exercise performance. Um, and I think we're seeing now with this kind of rise of, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in healthcare that people want to be more, remote in how they work they want to embrace technology and i just don't think that traditional methods of teaching or training really cater to that audience or that kind of workforce of the future so what we kind of built out with verti was uh what is effectively kind of like an on-demand data-driven training platform that uses some technologies like vr augmented reality Mm. uh, machine learning to kind of immerse people in some of these difficult to access clinical environments in healthcare um, and we also work in sectors outside of healthcare, like oil and gas, aviation as well now. Mm. Um, but really the focus was on how can you reduce the variability in, in the types of teaching that people receive? And also how can you collect data on how people perform under pressure before they get there um, to predict how good they're going to be and, and whether they need more training um, remotely and, and at the convenience of the learner, really. So we do everything from kind of surgical training to mental health training. Um, to bullying and harassment training, to diverse, diversity training. Um, so very, very scalable. And um, yeah, I, I left my, my clinical role actually around about three years ago when I was um, starting my FT7 mm-hmm. 
uh, sort of grade in trauma. Oh, wow. So near the end. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a pretty crazy decision, I, I guess, in, in some ways. So um, I, I was very lucky. So I, I stayed uh, on the Bristol orthopedic rotation and in Bristol mm. through my whole training, which is, I guess, a little bit unusual. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, and, and I was super yeah. lucky to do that because it's, it's just an awesome region to, to work in. And yeah. I, um, yeah. you know, I loved my job, basically. I, I was obsessed with kind of getting better. I would come in on like, you know, weekends to do some extra cases uh, to, to make, you know, level myself up um, in, in mm. orthopedics. And I, I kind of, I'd got to the end of, you know, towards the end of my training where I could do a lot of the procedures kind of uh, either, you know, unsupervised or, or with a consultant sort of over your shoulder on some more nice. complex ones. Um, and I'm very goals based. And at the same time, my, my previous company was, uh, you know, generating quite a lot of, of revenue uh, to the point where I, I, I wouldn't needed, a, a, you know, to rely on like a kind of NHS income or anything like that, which mm. was which was super yeah. cool and not the original plan for it at, at all, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Just did you notice a change in mentality, mindset and enjoyment to a job when you knew that you could now practice as a surgeon and not be dependent on it as an income. Yeah. Because um, there's this notion where as soon as something becomes a full-time job, when you become dependent on that as financial sustenance, you kind of lose that passion and love for it. Did you notice that at any point where you're like, yeah, I could do this for fun? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I, I guess it's always interesting, like kind of looking back on things because you, you might remember mm -hmm. things in like different ways, right? But... Um, I mean, for, for me, I, I, you know, truly loved my, my job doing trauma orthopedic surgery. That's literally what I wanted to do. That's why I applied mm. to med school. So again, I was probably a bit of a freak uh, in that respect. because I literally, <laughs> I literally knew what I wanted to do from kind of day one, stepping in, in the doors as like a year one medical student. Oh, wow. um, so I, I really loved it. And I guess it was because of that combination of sort of my interest in sports, um, the ability to immediately you know see an x-ray and and diagnose a fracture mm. or something uh, or arthritis and then you know fix it via an operation which is very practical and, and really sort of transform patients lives so I, I i love the the whole concept and the idea of the job and everything i was doing um the only things obviously that you know any medic anywhere in the world not just in the nhs will attest to is <clears throat> there's always kind of frustrations around things like you know operations being cancelled beds being blocked yeah all this kind of stuff so yeah. I suppose my my mentality was I, I love the job, but um, is this something that I you know I can do for the next thirty forty years and still be yeah. kind of like you know challenged and get the same enjoyment out of it? And I think for me, at the same time, uh, because of my previous company and because of this idea for Verti that was sort of uh, you know at that stage growing in my mind, I was a bit like well actually if i don't pull the trigger on making a, a big decision and jumping and going full-time on verti am i going to you know, yeah. look back in 30 or 40 years time and regret that so actually for me it wasn't um anything like you know not enjoying the job or um mm. you know not you know wanting more of an income or anything like that it was very much sort of a personal challenge like you know yeah. if i don't do this am i going to regret you know having either succeeded or failed and, and it, I wasn't even worried about you know it when I started Verti is it going to collapse within like six months am I actually going to be able to do it I just wanted to have a go at the process um and, and see what I could do with it which is which is really my kind of mentality the whole way through mm. oh, nice. that's amazing you've clearly done very well so you go full-time 
you double down on Verti. How was that first few stage of introducing it to the healthcare world? What, how was it received? Um, sometimes new things, especially in medicine, it's very resistant to change and there's a mentality of, you know, it's seeped in tradition. If it's not broken, don't fix it. How was the response when you did introduce Verti? Um, what was that like? Yes, it's a great question. I think like healthcare as a sector in general in businesses is very slow moving, like comparatively to, to mm. other areas. Um, I mean, w one of the advantages obviously that um, we had at Verti was I'd had previous companies in the past. Um, I kind of, mm. I'd, I'd also, uh, done a, a number of kind of like uh, sort of angel investments into other companies in uh, the healthcare space and sort of the ed tech space as well um, and had, mm -hmm. had run a uh, what was basically kind of a, an accelerator and early stage kind of investment fund for healthcare so I, I had a, quite a good understanding of the sector so one of the first things that we did was um, we made sure that people actually wanted what we were building so although I had you know some some insights myself from obviously having trained i basically you know didn't rely on those and i went and spoke to the actual purchaser of the the software platform so that would be people like um in the united states that was people like kind of the heads of simulation centers in the uk that would be mm. you know the, the heads of um school and the different deaneries and things like that and just said you know look what's what's your budget um is this something that could revolutionize things what what are the main problems that you're uh, seeing at the moment in the training space and so really on the background of that information we optimized verti and we optimized the pricing and, and we we really made sure we were speaking yeah. to the needs of the customer and the users um and then i guess the the other thing that we did was probably a bit unusual for what is effectively like a, a ed tech or corporate training platform is uh, we got quite a lot of research and evidence around how it works and how it improves learning. So um, we did a couple of mini studies when we first uh, built the system. And then um, earlier this year, we actually published a randomized control trial. Um, and we, we became part of the NHS's national innovation program um, on the back of that. So I think, you know, in the healthcare sector, quite rightly, everyone wants to make sure that anything they're using, especially patient facing tools, actually yeah. you know, does what it says it will do and is safe for patients to use. Um, and for us, you know, that was very important that going in with that collateral information saying, look, if uh, you purchase this, uh, it will help you solve this problem and will save you this amount of money. And, and these are the outcomes you expect. Um, and so, you know, that, that's kind of how we approach things. I think that's one of the reasons why we've been able to scale up, you know, very, very quickly in a short space of time. Yeah, definitely. And I think that whole it's very similar to medicine in terms of its evidence-based practice, its evidence-based training. It's kind of backed by evidence, which is something that NHS or the medical world respects immensely. Um, just before we move on, for our listeners, we're kind of dropping the name Verti a lot. Um, what actually is it? What does it do? Um, give us a typical situation where a listener who's never heard of Verti will be like, okay, cool, that's Verti. I need to go speak to my boss and kind of force him to get up for our hospital. Um, kind of tell us what it is. Yeah, definitely. So um, at, at the kind of core of what uh, Verti does is it's um, a cloud-based um, data-driven learning management system that allows uh, organizations to manage their own experiential learning content. So uh, you can upload things like um, 2D or virtual reality video to the platform and capture real-world environments. So we do a lot of things like 
um, operative training in surgery. Uh, so for example, just last week, um, one of our customers recorded um, some, some real world um, operations, which were then uploaded to the system. And then the system can make those um, operations interactive. So you can have things like questions popping up, interaction, computer generated imagery. Mm -hmm. Um, and for the learners, you can then access that on a mobile device, say <clears throat> on demand in your pocket anytime. You can jump in and, yeah. and test your knowledge around an operation or, or get some updates if you're just about to go in. Um, or you can put on a virtual reality headset um, and be completely sort of immersed in one of these virtual reality scenes. Um, you can do it in single player or you can do it in multiplayer with your peers. And then we also have a, a virtual patient that you can actually communicate to. Uh, a little bit like an Amazon Alexa, it will understand what you're saying, and you can diagnose and manage that uh, oh, either wow. on your mobile device or in a VR or AR headset. Um, and then some of the kind of clever stuff behind the scenes is we use quite a lot of machine learning um, to then analyze things that often, you know, with in-person training are quite difficult to quantify. So, you know, if you think about when um, you both did communication skills teaching, maybe there was like a sort of pretty mm -hmm poor actor or actress um, that you had yeah. to go through a clinical scenario with and uh, either break bad news to or um, take a medical history from or, or whatever. And, and then it's quite subjectively assessed. So an assessor might say, yep, you know, th that looked good. We think your eye contact was good. You kind of followed the script. Um, but with our system, you can actually analyze people's tone. You can access the uh, analyze the content of what they're saying um, and make it much more data driven. And with the uh, the sort of 2d video platform or 360 video platform you can actually analyze and mm. quantify things like decision making ability where people are looking in that eye movement and so bring in a lot of yeah, quite wow. unique data into how people train and perform um going back to my kind of fitbit analogy which is you know if if you quantify um objectively some of these quite subjective data points that often aren't captured in like real life you can massively improve how people learn and show them some of their weak points. Um, and I guess the, you know, the other thing we're trying to do with the system is, I, I said sort of surgery, but you can really put anything uh, that you could record in the real world onto the system. So we've had everything from mental health training um, to actually patient education and experiences. Um, so reducing anxiety for yeah. patients before they go for operations. Um, but then collecting lots of data on that and, and feeding it back to the um, the, the organisations who use the system. So that's basically how it works. I mean, we we work with a lot of healthcare professionals in training um, who often, after an organisation has purchased the system, uh, will use it for things like research or their own educational interests as well, where they can create their own content. Um, so we've had people doing kind of OSCE training. Um, we've had people doing... Uh, things like you know bullying harassment training in in surgery or or, or medicine uh, so really really kind of broad and we try and put the the creation ability into the hands of our customers uh, so they can map it around their needs basically and what's the feedback been like from the actual users themselves yes it's been I, I mean I think one of, one of the things that that we sort of set out to do is because um, obviously I, I built the system from uh, my own experiences and then we've involved um, health professionals in particular as well as um, users from other industries in the design and, and in the ongoing kind of updates to the platform um, people find it just incredibly helpful as, as I can you know as I'm sure you guys can imagine um, yeah, if you yeah. think about how you train or, or I trained when I was practicing um, 
I, you know, especially something like communication skills, right? So you would you would go to a, a clinic, you'd do your clinic, or you'd see um, a, a consultant on the ward round speaking to a patient. And the whole of medicine is very much an apprenticeship type model. So you see many yeah. kind of um, senior consultants or, or registrars, whoever you're working with, as possible. And then you take the best bits from how they uh, you know, communicate with patients and hopefully avoid some of the, the mistakes that they make. Um, no. But but you know that's kind of limited by geography of where you are. So you know for me going around the hospital in Bristol, yeah. I could only have access to the the educators around there. I couldn't you know fly over mm. to uh, Ethiopia uh, and and see what it's like mm. to communicate with patients there in a different culture. I couldn't fly to Camp Bastion and see what it's like yeah. to do an operation in a war zone. Um, but really with yeah. our system, you've got access to a huge library of different types of of content where you can pick up some mm. subtle like subject matter expert led um, information. Uh, and, and that's kind of the force multiplier. So we can we can really try and reduce the variability um, in teaching and training and make it much more equal yeah. for anyone on the planet, basically. Yeah, and oh, I think, that yeah that's the beauty of it. As Going back to your point, I think the most high impact learning I've had is those simulations of mannequins where it's very difficult situations but it's very controlled you have an assessor kind of guiding you and that has helped so i can only imagine how better verti provides but yeah. the beauty of it is, is the fact that this is something that can be replicated or used across the world um, for different sectors not only healthcare it can be used for anything where mimicking these situations in a safe environment is super important and let's not forget that you want to replicate the emotional stressor yeah. of the environment. And which you only get when that bleep goes off at yeah. 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, so, yeah. I think you should you should have like one way just trains you to, to become resilient to the bleep going off. Like that should be a whole module in itself. <laughs> well, that's, that's it. You know, I, I think, um, I think we, we, often, we often like forget um, how, you know, stressful and emotional some of the situations as medics we go into are because... If you think about your medical training from the the first time you go into mm. like a uh, you know dissection lab or anatomy and you're sort of exposed to mm. a cadaver that that starts you on this journey of almost like exposure therapy being you know exposed mm, to these yeah. stressful environments but there is a big jump between going from medical school where you're quite protected to then being completely yeah. responsible yeah. in a hospital um, and so you know our system yeah. in basic terms one of the things it does um, and again, we've, we've got some uh, published data on this, is it reduces stress and anxiety for learners in any sector. So, you know, it's, it's not rocket science really to think that if you've got a, a large library of content that you're exposed to on demand with these stressful environments, with something like virtual reality, where, you know, if you're in a headset, it completely blocks out all other, you know, any other surroundings you're in. So you're suddenly immersed in these stressful environments and it really does trick your brain into thinking that you're there. Um, and then what that does is it kind of gives you that real emotional spike. So um, on some of our simulations, which might be things like, you know, hospital life support or ATLS trauma scenarios, um, and, mm. and you've got to make decisions under pressure in a short space of time, and our system can collect data on that. It, it really means that when people get into those environments in real life, um, then, you know, their stress and anxiety levels are, are reduced uh, compared to if they just done a, a one-off sure. episodic training session. With Verti, am I correct that it's available to mainly for institutions to buy for their trainees and nurses and healthcare professionals? Is this one day going to be available on an individual 
user base because I can imagine I'm I'd be very interested in just purchasing purchasing this for myself. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, at the moment, basically, what we do is we, um, as a company, uh, do sort of business to business deals and sales. So mm. we work with um, big hospital systems and, and med device and pharma companies and, and big kind of Fortune uh, 500 corporates in in different sectors um, who will pay for the licenses for their learners. Um, one of the things we're looking at doing, um, possibly sort of, you know, next year, especially on the back of what's happened with COVID, um, is opening up um, some basically, you know, individual um, B2C type uh, options mm. for people at the moment. Uh, but yeah, certainly at the moment, we're, we just do kind of organizational sales. Yeah. yeah. And what and what's the COVID effect? What, what sort of um, effect have you seen on Verti due to COVID? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, so I, I was, um, I mean, just, just to give you some context. So um, I was, was in the, the US for kind of most of last year. So most of our customers are in, in the United States. And I was sort of flying between um, Houston and Texas around uh, the Texas Medical Center, um, LA and San Francisco, and then New York. Um, and I was actually in Los Angeles um, with one of our customers, uh, in um, sort of February to March time this year when really California got locked down. So um, what we ended up doing uh, was actually providing a lot of COVID-specific training um, to organizations uh, when lockdown kind of first hit. So helping frontline healthcare workers understand uh, some of the subtleties and the different uh, protective equipment um, modalities and how you put those on and, and how you then communicate with patients safely as well as things like ventilator yeah. use. Um, so that, that was that was super kind of rewarding that we could kind of help um, organizations quickly upskill their workforce where previously they would have had to, you know, do a lot of in-person sessions on that and it would have been very challenging. Um, and then I kind of, um, I, th I think I got like the last, the second to last British Airways flight back to Heathrow. <laughs> <laughs> from, from, Just from LA, all the airlines were getting <laughs> shut down, so I kind of, I kind of chickened out. Um, came back over to the UK, but then um, we, yeah, we we did a lot of kind of COVID training, and and we actually um, on the back of that uh, did did some quite cool stuff. So we did a couple of studies where we won awards for from um, the NHS around the work we did on COVID. Mm. Um, we got featured by the Department for International Trade in their um, Great Britain campaign that kind of highlighted some of the most impactful companies um, during uh, the sort of COVID pandemic. And then I think one of the coolest things that's happened to me at Verti uh, is we also got featured on the NASDAQ tower in Times Square. Um, oh, for, wow. Uh, oh, wow. Making how much we'd kind of grown. So um, although admittedly- I just started with that. <laughs> there, there's, no, there's no one there actually in Times Square because New York was locked down, but <laughs> but it was still, it was still yeah. pretty cool. So um, yeah, I mean, I think with COVID, it's really just sort of shone a light on everything we were talking about in 2019, which is, um, you know, current training methods, particularly in-person training, aren't, you know, scalable or going to be applicable to the workforce of the future. And I think with COVID, now it's really locked, uh, well, literally locked down uh, any kind of in-person training at scale. Um, we've seen just a massive uptick in, in platform use, in, in revenue, um, and, and really in everything we've done, uh, been doing over the last kind of 12 months. We've kind of talked about all the amazing things that you've achieved with Verti, I'm sure behind the scenes, there's a lot of hard work and graft. What are some of the obstacles you faced to kind of getting Verti to the point it is now? Yeah, great question. I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, as as you yourselves will know, um, you know, starting podcasts and, and all the cool stuff, you're, you're sort of starting out on your journey at the moment. It's uh, uh, th there's, there's 
various difficulties at different points in time uh, when you're trying to introduce a kind of innovative new technology um, or, or way of doing something. Um, so I, I think, you know, at each stage of the journey that there is a different problem that needs to be overcome. And I guess for me, certainly, and, and I'm sure you guys can, can speak to this as well, uh, as medics, our job on a day-to-day basis is solving problems and diagnosing stuff and, um, you know, coming to like a collaborative decision with patients. And that's very much the same in a business setting. Um, so I, I think for me, one of the hardest things, to be perfectly honest, was actually just getting, you know, getting started um, with Vertian and convincing people when you've just got an idea on paper. And, and by convincing people, that's, uh, you know, the early stage team you're building. So, so trying to get the best people possible, surrounding yourself with, you know, amazing um, tech hires or operations type people um, when you, you know, you don't have like uh, any revenue and you don't have any funding even at that stage. So trying to convince people that this is a, a worthwhile mission um, and, and a journey that they should go on with you. Um, so that, you know, that that's one thing. And I think, again, I was very fortunate in that to have, um, you know, to be in Bristol, which is an amazing tech hub and to have a lot of friends in the kind of like gaming industry um, with just phenomenal tech backgrounds that I was able to to kind of bring together. Um, and then again, you know, we, we were super lucky. So we, we made a decision quite early on that the US was going to be our sort of main market. So we ended up going out to a place called San Mateo, which is in uh, Northern California in Silicon Valley um, and, and getting some early investment from um, some investors who invested in deep technology and actually spending kind of the first six months of the company building the tech um, in, you know, literally in sort of Silicon Valley, which was a really cool experience That's for everyone. Um, wow. And then, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I guess on, on the back of that, you know, as a, as a sort of founder, um, your, your challenges are always, in my opinion, kind of threefold. So one is hiring the best people and taking them with you on that journey. The second is setting just a very compelling vision and, and thinking ahead about where the company is going to be going and, and what you want to achieve and your, you know, your mission and how that's going to help your customers and your users. Um, and then the third piece is funding. Um, and so you know, raising investment is always very, very challenging. Um, you've got to have sort of you know, 40 or 50 meetings you've got to kind of dedicate your time to doing that um and i I think my my top tip on you know anyone listening who is is thinking about uh starting a company and and thinks that you know fun getting funding is is like the be all and end all it definitely isn't the best Mm -hmm. thing to do actually uh to get your company funded and to grow is just to build an amazing business um so if you can if you are really solving a problem and you're able to generate revenue um, and, and you've got something that your users and your customers love, funding will follow on from that um, quite quickly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, there's, there's been, it, it's always a challenge, but it's, it's always been really, really fun. And um, mm. the, the, you know, the biggest things for me uh, that I'd, I'd probably convey to your listeners is you've got to keep plugging away. You've got to be really passionate about what you're building. Um, my whole, I guess, you know, reason for starting Verti was because I wanted to, um, create a new way of learning i was very excited about creating a new standard for how people yeah. train globally yeah. and that's what gets me up in the morning that's what gets me excited it's not a sort of get rich quick scheme um it's very much a, yeah. you know focused on this overall mission of making um experiential education affordable and accessible on the planet for everyone um you're, you're clearly very 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 busy and you you were in training building verti at the same time how do you go about time management that's something a lot of us actually struggle with when we've got 
medical school or foundation years or training and alongside that we've got a project that we're trying to grow or build or code even how did you go about time management yeah i mean it's it's another another great question and, and i mean i think you know i've i've been um kind of on, on both sides of things so obviously i was um training and running um businesses when i was kind of at med school and when i was um mm. in my my registrar training as well uh, and then now with Verti, with just like a ton of stuff going on and having to manage other people as well. So I think, you know, my, my top tips are, I think firstly, just in, in really simple terms, if you're doing extra things outside of your, you know, your normal day job, you've just got to absolutely love them and make sure that they really are contributing to your overall, you know, I guess, life plan or life goal. Because if, yeah. if you try and do anything and you don't want to do it, it's going to suck and you're not going to enjoy it and it's going to be difficult to do and it's going to be a pain so i think you know going back to when i was uh you know coding for example like when i came back from a night shift or when i was uh you know ringing customers between like operations or something crazy like that uh when i was in the nhs um you've just got to absolutely love that that kind of grind and hustle and, and it's got to be fun and for me the fun came from kind of learning um how to do those things and like overcoming the challenges um, I think from a, you know, from a time management point of view, I, I would say two things. I would say, um, you know, technology basically is your friend. Um, so the, uh, especially, you know, when I was in work, if I was sort of replying to emails and things like that, you know, your, your mobile phone um, and, and like sort of to-do list apps and things like that are just hugely, hugely helpful. Um, and scheduling stuff in your, in your iCal or whatever calendar system you use. Um, such that you you've got sort of time that is dedicated to the different things that you want to do is absolutely critical and I mean w- one of the the things that we do with our uh, team at Verti is we do a lot of kind of internal coaching and we're very passionate about kind of leveling up our employees so we've got a kind of uh, internal coaching program and on the sort of time management piece of that yeah. everyone gets a kind of like Verti diary basically um, where uh, you know the, the night before the following day everyone kind of puts down like the top three things that they're going to be focusing on um how that's like aligned to the company goals and missions um what the targets are for that week um and then also what they're basically grateful for um to make sure that they're kind of aligned with everything that they are doing and it's aligned to the company goals as well um and i'd 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 really sort of reinforce that i think you know don't just write down like a to-do list because you know everyone's got like a million things to do Think about what your, you know. Think about what's your goal for the week, the month, the year, whatever it is, and then what are like you know the mm. top three things you're going to do today that are going to advance that goal in some way. And if anything's outside that top three, just ditch it and question you know why am I devoting my time to that? Is that something yeah. to be you know I can outsource or I don't need to do or, or why do I think it's important? And really challenge yourself on that to focus your time. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's just kind of some of my top tips. I think in summary just try and value your time uh when when you're doing things and don't just do stuff for the sake of doing it uh really think about why you're doing it and why it's going to benefit you um and and thinking you know think selfishly sometimes as well um don't just do things um because you think it's good or you think it's going to help your cv uh think about you know what Mm. why are you going to benefit from this in the long term definitely uh, I think that's sound advice and it's always good to kind of hear it from people that have been in a situation that have been kind of gone through training, have gone through med school, um, rather than us kind of mentioning it week in, week out. 
Um, I want to mention, since you are in the tech sphere, how do you see the uptake of tech in the healthcare sector, the NHS? Where do you see the future in the, let's say, next five years um, from a tech slash health tech point of view? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, technology and healthcare is obviously absolutely vital. Um, I think there is a kind of dichotomy um, and, and it's been like this for the last kind of, you know, 10, 20 years of um, healthcare providers globally. And again, this isn't just the NHS, but obviously we all know the NHS having having worked there um, is that it's very slow yeah. to ad- adopt new technologies. And, and that's for, you know, it's, yeah. we don't really have enough time to kind of go into that because it's, it's very complicated. It's not just because... Um, you know, patient care needs sort of validated solutions. It's also about how the, you know, some of these organizations are structured and um, how procurement works and all this crazy stuff. But I, th- I think um, the bottom line is technology is absolutely vital. You know, the, the, um, the current state of healthcare globally is exceeding, you know, GDP. So um, healthcare in America is not sustainable at all. Um, there's a massive kind of overspend and huge like cost categories on, on every single um, different kind of part of, of, of medicine, whether it's surgery, whether it's mental health, whatever. And if you can reduce things like clinic appointments, if you can um, optimize uh, how patients are triaged in an A&E setting, um, and if you can empower patients themselves such that they can manage their conditions at home um, and they are more kind of informed and educated around their disease processes and, and then you know don't get ill as frequently all of these things are going to help not just healthcare but actually the overall economy um and and you yeah, know let's not forget sure. patients lives which is is the most important thing so um i i think it's absolutely vital i think it's interesting because if you look at some of the biggest healthcare companies that have, that have been really sort of widely adopted and impacted often they're in the B2C space. So things like, you know, Calm for mental health. So Michael Acton-Smith, who, who um, I know from, from the US, um, and, and Alex achieved just fantastic what they've achieved. Um, but they had, you know, they, they've not really done anything in, uh, you know, sort of, I guess, B2B, NHS type sales or, or anything like that. Um, but it's going direct to consumers. And I think this is the thing that patients know that technology is needed. And they actively, yeah. Uh, yeah, just like the workforce of the future is changing, and that's what we're targeting with Verti. Patients of the future yeah. are changing, and um, you know, that's when cool. the three of us are, are in our like nineties or something like that, um, I hope that yeah. we're being like licked after by robots or something. <laughs> so, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I think that's something important you mentioned. It's we, we need to be conscious of the fact that not only is the workforce changing the patients and the demographics and these individuals are changing. Um, like you said, we're a generation of tech savvy when you become a Jerry's patient, hopefully you don't, <laughs> but like you would expect like the state of the art tech, you know, um, masses of advances um, to kind of adjusting and kind of catering for that is something to be mindful of. Um, I'm conscious of time and I know you're a super busy guy. What do you, foresee or what do you hope to achieve with Verti in the next few years or so if I were to come back in five years and get you back onto the show um, what would you have wanted to achieve by then yeah definitely so you know at Verti we're, we're really kind of building a new standard for how people train in any organization so um, in you know in five years time uh, hopefully we have you know we've proven that we've got a significant market share not just in healthcare but in other industries mm. as well um, and so if you're you know, if you're training or you're learning in, in any sector, 
um, Verti is, is part of that and it's helping the learners to, to improve their human performance um, and therefore organizations are more productive um, and the workforce is, is less stressed and is, is better at their jobs. So, you know, if, if we've done that in five years, um, I'd be very, very happy. That would be amazing. I think there are lots of young entrepreneurs, a lot of young people at medical school uh, that want to pursue it that are a bit cautious. Um, as you can imagine, a lot of medics by nature are risk averse. Um, what advice would you give to those individuals that have an amazing idea and the world does need entrepreneurs, it does need problem solvers and I feel there is a lot of talent locked up. What would you tell them? Yeah, so um, I mean, I, I do kind of like a lot of coaching and do some investments and, and mentoring of kind of startups and I think that the two things I always say to everyone and it doesn't really matter what stage you are to be perfectly honest, so um, mm. well, a couple of bits of advice. So first of all, if you're starting off or you've got an idea, do pursue it so you know everyone's got an idea but it's it's the execution side of that idea which really makes people stand out so it's hard taking an idea and, and implementing it and putting it into practice um but make sure you you at least have a go right um and and the second part to that which is kind of linked to it is do do the work and learn 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 all the time um so you know lots of people and we're seeing this increasingly at the moment um, with, uh, you know, lots of healthcare professionals have like great ideas and then want to try and commercialize them. Level yourself up. So, you know, I taught myself coding skills. You don't have to do that. Mm. But, you know, make sure you understand business. Make sure you spend time. You go mm. and work with um, other companies who've, who've done things, whether it's, you know, a company like mine or whether it's uh, you know, a company outside of healthcare. So you understand things like business mm. processes. You understand things like how you... Uh, hire somebody whether you uh, you know how you get funding all these kinds of things and and when you're just starting off give your time up for free um, don't don't sort of you know go in with an attitude of, of uh, you know I'm a I'm a doctor I'm going to be super valuable to your company right um, stay really really humble throughout your whole journey and be very very grateful for everything that that you're doing and you're learning um, and, and I think if you adopt that attitude of I'm here to learn and I'm here to better myself, you're always going to win. So even if your idea completely fails and collapses, who cares? Because, you know, maybe you've learned how to, you know, you've learned how not to hire someone or you've learned that your idea wasn't solving a problem for people. So that with your next idea or, or project, um, it's much more focused. And I think uh, th those kind of couple of things, so staying humble, always being learning, mm um and, and and really just you know being driven and consistent with what you want to do is absolutely vital and i, I think again having a you know knowing understanding your own personal mission about what you want to do helps to align all of those mm. things because if your mission is to um you know revolutionize healthcare education on the planet how how are you going to do that and why do you want to do that and and, and why is that going to be the thing that gets you up in the morning excited um equally if you want to help patients on a daily basis and you love your job not everyone has to be an entrepreneur right uh not you know, there's, True, no, there's yeah. no one thing that's better than another um some people are, just absolutely love staying in healthcare i loved working in trauma orthopedic surgery um but for me there was just that that thing at the back of my mind right i needed you know on a personal level to challenge myself and pursue something but other people they want to you know give the best care to patients possible um 
and, and they should be proud of doing that, you know, working in the NHS or any healthcare system. So, Absolutely. you know, figuring out your why, staying humble, always be learning. You can't really go wrong. Yeah. That's amazing advice, particularly about the um, working for free. A mentor of mine told me that and I found that when I went in with the mindset of purely just to learn, I found myself leveling up a lot and you found that you just know so much more and ability to do so much more goes up through the roof. It's a piece of advice I also pass on a lot. I think our listeners should really, really, really take that on board. Um, absolutely golden. Thank you so much for that. Absolute pleasure. And I, I think, you know, just to kind of uh, illustrate that. I mean, certainly when I was at med school, I kind of, uh, I went and, um, you know, interned at like a bunch of kind of health tech companies uh, who were just starting up around the Bristol region. Um, and I literally said, like, I don't even know what I can do to help you. But if I can help in any way, you know, I'll do that for free. I'll come in and, uh, you know, work on a plateau yeah. or work from home or work in my spare time. Um, and I think just from like building those relationships, people are much more likely to kind of offer you help and, and give you practical things that will level you up. And if you find a really good mentor, um, they will coach you and they will really, you know, help you out if you can, uh, you know, win them over. No, 100%. I think a lot of people will, will get a lot of value just listening to it. Um, it's been super fun talking to you, Alex. How do people get in touch? I'm sure um, they'll probably want to pick your brains. Um, What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can find uh, Verti at verti.com. Um, we've got a bunch of information there as well as our podcast, which is the Human Performance Podcast, which is on kind of all uh, podcasting channels. Uh, and then for me, um, I'm available on Twitter at Alexander F. Young. Um, Verti is at Verti Labs across uh, Twitter, Instagram and everything like that. If you want to get in touch with me directly, I'm Alex at verti.com. Um, and we're always very happy to kind of connect uh, with anyone in the sort of healthcare space and um, equally if anyone's got some cool med tech ideas very happy to kind of help out with those as well hmm. excellent it's been a massive pleasure um, I'm super glad we did this um, it's super early in the morning but I do love doing this and it's the only reason I do wake up um, I want to thank you Alex once again um, and a massive thank you to all our listeners um, we hope you will stay safe and thank we look so forward much, to Alex. seeing you all soon absolute pleasure guys